Hi guys, don't you know my family? This is your host Mark Karaki. Excited to be bringing you yet another episode of the podcast. This week I had the privilege of sitting down with Miss Yvonne Johnson, who is a managing director and co-founder at Indicina, which is a credit scoring services company, a fintech company out of Lagos, Nigeria. And you will notice we have expanded our coverage to the rest of the continent with a focus in uh, in Nigeria because there's a lot of good stuff happening over there. But uh, Miss Yvonne is a fantastic entrepreneur with a stellar background in financial services and also technology. That's what, uh, as you hear, she studied when she went to, to university and that was where she started her career. And she is building the infrastructure layer upon which financial uh, services onward lending will, will live. And that's an exciting uh, space. As you can imagine, every single financial services company and every single business, for the most part, will be interacting with consumer credit. And she's building that infrastructure layer for that. So this is a great one. And I'm sure you'll enjoy it and learn a lot from Yvonne. Enjoy the podcast. This week, I am super excited to be speaking with Yvonne Johnson all the way from Lagos, Nigeria. Yvonne, how are you doing? I'm fine, Mark. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and Yvonne and I have been experiencing some technical challenges as we try to record this this uh, podcast. But as uh, uh, bona fide entrepreneurs, we will soldier on and make sure we deliver an exciting episode because it, it is it is an exciting uh, guest we have here today. So Yvonne, um, glad to have you on the podcast. I'm really excited about the fact that you know we are expanding our recording to to cover the continent, and I'm a huge fan of Lagos. I'm a huge fan of Nigeria and a huge fan of Africa in general. What is most exciting is that you are a female founder. And I have, uh, I, want, I don't want to say a soft spot, but I, I have a, <laughs> I'm a champion of female entrepreneurs and females in leadership. And I'll explain why uh, if I get a chance. But um, why don't we start with your background? Um, you know, how did you end up where you are today? Education, career, and your founding journey. What, what, what was that about? Thank you, Mark, and thanks again for having me. Super, super excited to be here. Um, before I, so my name is Yvonne Johnson again. I am the MD and co-founder of Indicina. Indicina is a fintech, um, and what we do is we build API-driven credit infrastructure. Um, what that does is that it helps um, players get up to market faster with you know digital financial services products, and we help them do that in a very data-driven manner. Before I started out in the SENA, I led the strategy team of a large West African banking group, and my portfolio covered all of their Africa businesses, both bank and non-bank. But my background is actually mm-hmm. in tech. So my first degree um, was in computer science from the University of Toronto. So I started my career in tech. But after an MBA, I moved into financial services. Initially, I was doing investment banking in New York. And then I moved back home in 2009. I actually grew up in Lagos. Um, this mm-hmm. bank that I worked for was a you know, large West African banking group headquartered in Nigeria, but it had been losing market share to some of the newer players. And so it just got mm-hmm. in new management with an audacious, ambitious plan to turn it around. So it's very exciting things that we were doing. But while I was in the bank, I started doing some angel investments in the tech space. This was very early days. This was 2013, 2014. I mean, the first kind of generation of um, uh, well, not the first generation, but the first, um, you know, some of the newer fintechs were coming up. 
I did angel investments in Andela at the time. And it was very exciting for me. It allowed me to go back to my tech roots. Um, and I was also helping on the advisory side. And so fast mm-hmm. forward to 2018, when I knew that it was time to leave the bank, um, FinTech made sense. I had done all these angel mm-hmm. advisory in the tech space. Um, and I had the banking background. I understood the challenges of banking. And at my time in the bank with strategy, I had helped the bank expand to some other um, African countries. Um, initially, I thought I was going to do more angel investments. I mean, and, and, mm-hmm. and advisory. But then, right. you know, I just started getting the itch to just be very hands-on. It was a box I wanted to check off in terms of right. operational um, experience and actually building something. And, you know, the second part of it, too, was that there was also this nagging problem of kind of the huge consumer credit gap. And I was really making a case in the bank that, look, we have to do this. We have to give people um, this this opportunity to, you know, build capital, grow their businesses. Um, but it was almost a losing battle. And so put two mm. and two together, I said, you know what, let me just, you know, kind of dive into the deep end and, and, and start, um, the, uh, start the FinTech myself. And so that's how I got into being a co-founder. Fantastic. Uh, and, you know, jumping out of the corporate world where things are pretty, I mean, you have the safety net of a regular income into entrepreneurship is not for the faint-hearted. What was that like for you? I mean, it sounds like you were ready to leave the bank. Was it something that was was obvious? Was it something that took some time? What was that journey from, okay, I'm going to be employed and I'm going to actually be doing my own thing? What was that like for you? It's a good question. And I have to say there were trepidations. I'll give you a funny story. I I left the bank February 2018. That was the official, that's the day I kind of stopped going into the building. I had actually (laughs) told, (laughs) I had actually told my boss that I was leaving in 2017, Mm -hmm. January 2017. Um. And so when I told him in January 2017, I said, okay, you know, I don't know, it's a month or two's notice. But Mark, believe it or not, between myself and my trepidations and the bank also, you know, wanting me to stay, I mean, it it dragged on for a year. Um, But, you know, by the time we started to get to the end of 2017, um, you know, it was it was clear that my time was up. I, I, you know, I, I really wanted to leave. Um, and, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea for Indesina, most of the, even the founding team, I hadn't yet met, believe it or not. Um, right. So it was just, look, I know I have to leave the bank. My, my, this, this chapter is done. Um, but there was a lot mm-hmm. of trepidation. I mean, I, I had strong domain knowledge. I had done angel investing. So I had context and, you know, in some sense knew what to expect, but you know, you'll be surprised. I think startups, especially on the continent, because all of us are solving big challenges. These are not right. these are not small problems. Every 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 problem most of us are solving impacts like you know a lot of people. And so, right. and and the idea wasn't even fully formed in my head. So so that was what it was almost just kind of forcing myself and just pushing myself out and said you know, and and so at the time I just called my boss and said I'm not coming in tomorrow. Um, <laughs> this this is actually it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> This is it. Amazing. And and so you, you said you hadn't met your co-founders. The idea wasn't fully formed. Okay, what were you going to be doing uh, the, day, the day after? Good question. I mean, I, I think I woke up that day and um, probably slept in and went to a cafe. But um, so in, my first co-founder was 
a friend of mine and we had met with a- as angel investors in Andela. And so mm-hmm. we had kept in touch over the years, um, you know, always bouncing ideas off each other, invested in other startups at the time. And so even while I was in the bank, you know, just turning ideas over, you know, I, I want to leave the bank. I'm not sure. Should I do more angel investing? And, right. you know, turning ideas over. And so, so he was my first co-founder and, you know, and, you know, just really fleshing the idea around. At some point we stumbled on analytics, machine learning, you know, at, mm-hmm. at the time we were at a point where, you know, digital financial services was, was here and was here to stay. There was no going back. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, right. this right. was even, be, this was even before the pandemic, right. You know, people, um, you know, people wanted to consume financial services digitally. Um, and mm-hmm. so for me, I said, okay, well, you know, and because I had the technology background, I leaned on that. So machine learning and analytics, I started rumbling. I, mean, I said, look, that would be kind of, you know, the value add because, because I was in the bank, I could see it that, you know, with every interaction digitally, there's a ton of data that comes in. So by the mm-hmm. time, again, I walked out of the bank, you know, kind of early 2018, it was myself, it was Yemi, my first co-founder. Um, and we said, okay, we're going to do this. We were going to build credit infrastructure. We were not going to be a digital bank. We were not going to be a digital lender, but we were going to provide APIs to make lives easier for those players. Um, mm-hmm. So it was me and Yemi. Um, and then I have the technology background, but at the time I couldn't even remember, you know, how to print F on the screen. So we needed a CTO. <laughs> we needed a CTO. Um, you know, you know, because... you know, you know your strength. It's, it's that's a that's a high level of self awareness, and maybe that's got to do with something that you being a female. Because I can see a lot of dudes who are who who would have been in your position be like, yeah, I'm still going to be that guy. Uh, but good, good for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was very clear that okay. So that meant that we needed a CTO, um, and also because we were very clear that our secret sauce and our value add was going to be on the analytics side. Um, we needed a chief data officer in terms of machine learning and whatnot. Um, so, so the first few months, you know, after I left the bank, again, it's me and Yemi, we're going through the idea in our head. Um, I, I quickly mm-hmm. started focusing on the sales side and customer acquisition. Um, maybe right. because, you know, my, my background in an MBA, um, you know, th- there's something about, you know, just testing the idea and just kind of proving that, look, this is actually a pain point for people. So on the one right. hand, I had already I had already just started, you know, reaching out to potential clients. Hey, I'm doing this. Uh, and on the other hand, I'm furiously looking for a CTO and a CDO. Um, and of right. course, you know, uh, it took a few months, but you know, between uh, referrals from good friends, um, eventually found you know a CTO and a CDO. And, and four of us are still kind of together uh, today. Nice. That's awesome. And, and so. Yeah. You uh, you clearly had the network in the banking industry, so that always helps to kind of get things moving faster, yes. right? Correct. And um, Correct. and so I guess if we, where are you guys right now in that journey? And maybe I would ask more more pointed question. Uh, sure. How do you quantify your business right now? I mean, how many customers do you have? How much revenue? I'm assuming it's a pay-as-you-go SaaS model. Today, where we are is we have over seventy clients. And broadly, that covers three types of clients. It covers banks. So we have clients mm-hmm. that are banks. We cover, uh, we serve non-bank lenders, so microfinance banks, microfinance institutions. Um, and we also work with technology startups. I mean, embedded finance is now a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And so we work with them as well to provide them some of our APIs. Um, we have um, also raised funding. I mean, beyond just kind of your first angel round, we've also raised um 
um, pre-seed funding that includes institutional investors. Um, and now, in fact, I think in the last um, you know, few months, we signed our first client in Kenya. Um, so we have significant traction you know, in terms of you know, clients and using the product um, and you know, having raised funding. That's, that's exciting. And so talk about funding, because that's always a, a big deal, right? Like, uh, as you guys were starting, you guys were self-funding. And how, how long did that continue for before you got some, uh, your first external injection uh, of capital? Good question. And I feel like, um, I feel like that's one of the biggest learnings when, when I speak to other you know, people looking to be on this journey. Um, like I said, I had done angel investments. I'd been on the other side. So I was plugged right. into some of those networks. And those are the first people I leaned on um, for the mm-hmm. first funding round when I left the bank. Um, and so we raised kind of a four, small angel round. Again, networks that I knew of. Um, and, that, and that took us for a bit. I think the next um, you know, pre-seed round where we started getting the institutionals was probably maybe, I want to say maybe about six to nine months later. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and so, and then along the line, we also got some grant funding, uh, from the catalyst fund, which is very exciting, uh, but the That's fundraising cool. journey, you know, it's an interesting one. I, um, I had, like I said, I, I'd done angel investments and been on the other side uh, and whatnot, but you know, it, it's an interesting challenge and an interesting beast, so to speak, right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, in terms mm-hmm. of, because you need funding, right. And, you know, thankfully mm-hmm. we have this venture capital model that really helps startups. I mean, for, for, for some startups, that's probably the only way they could get up and running. Um, but it's right. been an interesting journey in terms of kind of sourcing funding and demonstrating value, um, you know, to, to venture capitalists and being able to do that successfully. Yeah, and that's a big one too. I mean, given that you already had networks, I guess, you know, one assumes that it had, it, it was easier because they knew you, you are known quantity, you are died in the world, you are one, one of the number. Um, what was that experience like? Was it a few phone calls and then people are like, yeah, Yvonne, I'll, I'll back you? Or how, how, what was that experience of now being on the other side of actually raising money uh, from your peers? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so I had spent the time in the bank. So, you know, seen as a fintech, I had spent, you know, some time in the bank, you know, so I had deep domain knowledge in, in, in what we're doing. And then I had a technology background, you know. So, so on paper, I know what I'm doing, you know. Right. Um, mm. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, when you speak to an investor, venture capital investor, and again, it, it always helps to be in the issues. You know, they've also gone to raise funding from LP. They've also mm. gone to be able to convince somebody that they can deploy capital uh, very well, right? You know, and so they have right. this pools of capital. They have a thesis, you know. Um, of course, you're talking to investors that are interested in Nigeria, interested in fintech and whatnot. But the interesting thing with VC is that, you know, when you're speaking to a VC, you need to convince this VC that whatever dollar that they're going to put into you, that you're going to have a massive outcome. You know, it's Mm -hmm. different in some sense from kind of private equity. It's different from debt, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, these are investors that are taking um, a fair bit of risk and they need to know that, you know, there's going to be a massive outcome. Um, and right. you as a founder, of course, there's some trepidation, you know, um, you know, maybe you stammer during the calls, your pitch deck is not as polished, you don't say the right things. And sometimes these are short calls, right? You know, you know right, 10 right. minutes sometimes when people make a decision. 
But I think for me, I, I quickly leaned back to my strengths. I needed the capital for sure, right? And I knew the people mm-hmm. that could connect me, right? Oh, okay, I hear X and what Mark VC is like FinTech in Nigeria. Can you introduce me to him? So I could, I could get those meetings. Um, but right. I had to get to a point where I leaned on my strengths and I was more confident when I was making these pitches. I know what I'm doing. Right. I worked in one right. of the biggest banks in West Africa. I have the domain knowledge. If I say this is a big problem and this solution that I'm coming with, um, you know, is a decent one, um, you can take comfortable bet on it, you know. And right. I think that right. really is, you know, that that really is a turning point, right? I mean, obviously, with everything that you do, you have to come in with some confidence. You're dealing with unknowns. You're not Definitely. sure. You just have a theory. Right. It might be wrong or right. But for me, it was really to be able to say that lean on that confidence, project that confidence, let them see that um, mm-hmm. because um, let it, if they're going to reject it, reject you, let it not be that they were not convinced that you were the person to extract this maximum outcome for them. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's still, it's still something I learned even till today. Um, right. you know, because the other thing too, when you, I mean, one last point, the other thing too is that you know, with fundraising, I tell people, you're going to get a lot of no's, right? E- even the best mm-hmm. of them, you're going to get a lot of no's. I mean, you're going to talk to an investor that only invests in agri-tech, and this, this, no matter how convinced your argument is, he, he's not going to deploy into fintech, right? You know, so right. um, you're going to get a lot of no's. But what you're really shooting for is the few yeses, right? It's, it's the one person that's going to write you one check, and then another person's going to write you another check. That continues to, to keep you going. Fantastic. And so how much have you raised to date, including including the grant funding since since uh, 2018 to, to date? Uh, good question. It is uh, it's it's definitely over five hundred thousand dollars. That's amazing. That's that's great. And uh, were these priced rounds? How did you what structures did you take the capital? What type of terms were these? For early stage stuff, um, the safe is is um, the way to go. it's usually yeah. the perfect yeah and again because it was something I, I i knew about from my time as an angel investor uh, so it's a safe mm. round it's very early days um i think what we we had a we had a valuation cap when you know maybe not a discount and you have the template and whatnot um and so that that was helpful um i mean right now of course um you know we're, we're of course at a point where we're starting to look at a price round and of course it gets it gets a bit more complex than than just the safe but um for that early funding, it was, it was the same. Yeah, okay. Well, let's move to more interesting things about building, right? Because fundraising can be, a, <laughs> can be a bit of a slog. Um, so, you know, 70 customers. Um, I don't remember you talking about the revenue. So do you, have, do you mind sharing revenue numbers or is that something you want to keep private? That's totally okay if, if you want to do that. Uh, but 70 customers is actually meaningful. Yes, correct. I mean... Yeah, no, we don't want to talk about revenue for now, but yeah, it is it is definitely meaningful. And you know, one of the exciting things is you know the the pace of that customer acquisition because again, you know, you know, with startups, we always focus on whether it's fundraising and founders and whatnot. Um, But you know, the customer, the the customers are are, are super important. I mean, I always say, you know, a a dollar from a customer is of much greater value than a dollar from you know a VC. Um, because a, a dollar from a customer means that, you know, you've done a lot of things right, you know. So um, that, that pace of the customer acquisition is, is for me, something that's very exciting because that, what that demonstrates is demand for our product. And, you know, it starts right. to validate that, yes, there is a problem that, you know, we say there is. Fantastic. And so in terms of how they consume your product, so it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an API-driven 
it's, it's basically deep tech. So how do they integrate into their systems? Is it cloud-based? How does this, how does this actually work? Because you know, banks can tend to have legacy systems and not very open. How does this work? Good, good question. Um, it's definitely API-based, and that was always the standard um, you know, from, from day one, especially since I knew that I was going to serve banks. Uh, and these, these yeah. are enterprise institutions with existing technology. Um, right. And it, nobody, nobody's ripping that, that stuff out, right? You know? and, and remember, I was in the bank. I, I wrote the digital banking strategy and the transformation and whatnot. And it was almost right. an impossible argument to say, look, let's start from scratch and take all this stuff out, right? So I knew right. that the architecture had to be, you know, you were going to be integrating with existing systems and that meant it was API based. And of course, even though your products were data products, you know, machine learning algorithms and whatnot, you're deploying all of this um, as a service in the cloud. Um, mm -hmm. And again, this is something that our CTO really helped in terms of kind of, you know, um, building that architecture. Um, and, and today that's, that's, that's really the right architecture, whether you're talking to a bank or you're talking to, um, another startup, um, it's always where's your API, right? You know, and so and so that's what we really focus on. Seventy customers. You do you have a sales team now? How you know how big? Let's start with this. How how what's the size of the organization from four co-founders to you know what's the size of the organization today? And and to dovetail off that, you know, what does your sales process look like? Do you have a sales team? What's your go-to market look like? So the team right now is about 30 and, you know, sometimes I'm still amazed. Um, half of those, even more than half of those are technical people. So engineers and the data scientists and the machine and engineers, because, I mean, we're very product driven and, you know, our product mm -hmm. is, is a technical one. In terms of the go-to-market mm -hmm. strategy, on the enterprise side with the banks, it's really just kind of, you know, direct sales, you know, so right. you're, you're talking, you're talking to these customers, um, you know, they have to, um, they have to know that you appreciate their business, you appreciate kind of their mm -hmm. enterprise nature. Um, as right. you start to go to the other customer bases, you know, the non-bank lenders and certainly the fintechs, we definitely rely a lot of, on, on, on a lot of digital marketing uh, because um, these are people that, you know, they're building digital products and so they're already kind of in that online world and so you can meet them there uh, on the marketing side. Um, mm -hmm. But this is a product then, you know, because we're talking about kind of digitizing credit, it's a complex product, you know, um, your sales engine, of course, is, is really important. So I always make sure that, you know, we don't forget about kind of the direct sales the relationships. Um, you get into a customer, you offer them the product, they've integrated, but it doesn't stop there, right? You know, you always mm -hmm. have to make sure that you're, you're adding value, you're upselling and whatnot. And again, this is just kind of leaning back to my you know, my business education and, and, and my domain knowledge, you know. At the end of the day, I believe that if, you're, if you continue to add value to a client, you continue to enhance their business, enhance, you know, uh, the opportunity, um, they'll keep you around. And so I always focus yeah. on that from, from a sales perspective. And, and so in terms of that kind of value proposition and why should I buy, uh, I mean, you're selling a service that uh, is, is almost like a, it's a it's a leading indicator of business to come down the road. So it helps me maybe de-risk my loans. So it, it, selling to the to the legacy players, especially you came from the banking world and they didn't want to do this themselves. How do you sell that to those legacy players? How do they quantify value for what you're offering? It's a good question, and um, 
it's one that, you know, you get all the time. And the way I say it is that, you know, I, again, I was in the bank and every bank everywhere in the world is on some digital transformation journey. Um, right. You know, digital is, digital is here to stay. The pandemic only mm -hmm. accelerated an existing phenomenon. Um, right. And so everybody is on a digital transformation journey. What that means for a bank is that you're digitizing products, you're digitizing customer journeys, you're digitizing back office operations. There's so much that you're doing. You cannot do it all yourself and still keep up with the pace of innovation um, and some of the new competition, right? You know, competition for, for these banks looks different. There's, there's FinTech that's coming up. Even the products that they've come to know, you know, whether it's credit, you know, it's a salary loan, it's an auto loan. Now you have things like buy now, pay later. Like, what is that? Like, you've mm -hmm. never heard of that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, mm -hmm. so, so there's a lot happening and they have to keep up. And so, and I could, I saw it when, when I was on the inside. You can't do it all yourself. And so what has come to happen is that these players have realized that partnerships is one way to do it. One way to get speed and also one way to infuse innovation into the organization, which is also something that you need. And so mm -hmm. in going to, you know, a bank, for example, and saying that, look, I can help you, you know, with your digital portfolios and be smarter about it, right? You know, um, you know, and I can get you up and running faster. The other thing too, as well, is that without tools, it's not so much kind of taking somebody's job. It's just to say, I'm giving you better tools to do your job. I mean, Excel, mm -hmm. you know, is not, it's not taking anybody's job, but you know, Excel makes, you know, a financial analyst's job much easier. Um, and so when you approach it from those two angles, it, it's very clear that, look, there's value that we can bring with our solutions. We can make you smarter, we can make you insightful, and we also can help you bring kind of innovation, which is, is now a given in this world that we, we're in. Mm, yeah, make, makes a lot of sense. And now turn over to more uh, organizational development stuff. So 30, 30 people across the organization, starting with four uh, in 2018. What's that been like uh, in terms of building out the organization? What has driven your decisions for growth in terms of hiring? And how how have you designed and what's your culture like at the organization? Has that been intentional? How, what's that looking like? I always, I always prioritize intellectual curiosity. The other thing, too, is that the, the industry that we're in, financial services, credit is mm. is very technical you know when you think about credit you know marcus come and ask me for a hundred dollars and i do all these analysis and today i give him a hundred dollars right you know and mm. everything mm. i have to do today is to be able to predict that mark is going to pay me back a hundred dollars plus interest in 30 days or 60 days right you know mm. um so, so it's, it's it's very technical and you're dealing with financial services very regulated so from the right. onset, intellectual curiosity um, had to be important, you know. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, so this means that you know you 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 know exactly what you're doing in terms of the technical field, right? You know, um, mm -hmm. so, so that's definitely something. And of course, when we assembled the team, and these are very smart people. I mean, my CTO was, you know, he was the lead engineer that built Conga Pay, um, you know, and he'd worked in a bank, you know, very strong guy. I mean. Without even knowing it, I had two or three different people recommend him to me. Like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, my chief data mm -hmm. scientist is Latin American and, and he's done this in so many different markets. I mean, I, I wake him up from sleep and he answers the most technical questions. 
Um, so, so that was, <laughs> that was, that was one, that was one thing. It was intellectual curiosity and making sure that you have very smart people that know what you're doing. The other thing right. too, as well, it's, it's, it's also a culture where, you know, I always prioritize growth in somebody's career, you know, mm-hmm. and what that mm-hmm. means is that you're going to make a mistake. That's fine. Right. You know, and, and I'm going to give you room to be able to do that. Right. But the idea is that you're going to learn from those mistakes. You're going to become better. And then, you know, you're going to translate that to your team. And so today what that means is it's a culture of very smart people that are very intellectually curious. They're very, very good at what they do um, and, and hopefully are really growing um, in the role. And then you add that right. to, of course, the, the natural kind of fast pace of, of, of startups and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Just a final couple of questions for you here. We, we kind of zoom out a little bit and talk about the Lagos ecosystem, Nigeria ecosystem. Uh, there's been an inflection point, obviously, after, you know, uh, Paystack and Flutterwave. Um, how has that changed, Yvonne, in the last, I don't know, however you want to characterize it? Uh, what is different now than was before? And when did that flip happen? You know, it's a very good question. And, you know, I like to say I'm part of that story. Andela showed the world that, you know, an African developer is good, right. very good, good enough to build world-class software, you know? And so, so that was one point where it was, oh, you know, we're looking for developers and these guys are, are pretty good. Um, and then of right. course, once you have that, once you have that exit, that's always a marquee event in any ecosystem. It's like, oh, I mean, I remember a tweet, I can't remember who, who said it, and it said, you know, look, if, if you're a VC and you're not looking into Nigeria, I mean, what is it that Stripe sees that you're not seeing? And so when you put those two <laughs> together, yeah, when you put right. those two together, it's like the talent is there, right? You know, it's also a place that we can generate mm. returns because, hey, look at an exit. And of course, you add the fact that, look, Africa in general, I mean, we're not solving small problems, right? You know, these are huge problems. Right. We have the scale and whatnot. And so I think all of that together has really, you know, um, you know, really helped us in terms of our ecosystem. And then you add the larger issue of, you know, you have a pandemic that has accelerated digitization. There's a ton more software that needs to be developed and whatnot. And then infrastructure right. is easier. I mean, you know, I would say that, you know, you know, while I was in the bank, I couldn't have started in the Sina. There was just a lot of kind of base infrastructure and APIs that were not that did not exist that I couldn't couple together. Um, so, so I guess it's right. you know it, it's a series it's a series of fortunate events. Um, and so we are where we are right now. I mean, I mean, you have a unicorn, right? You have a billion dollar you know um, startup coming out of coming out of a continent. You know, so all of that together, right. it, it means we're, we're we're serious player. This is this is a serious ecosystem to participate in. Yeah. And a final question for you, Yvonne. Uh, there's so much I would have loved to unpack with you, but maybe we can have a, a part two of this. For sure. For sure. For sure. Where, where, what's the future of Indocina? The future of Indocina. Good question. Um, for me, if I take a step back and it's something that, um, you know, you can't have, you cannot have kind of a thriving economy without kind of a functioning consumer credit, um, you know, ecosystem. You know, credit is not right. bad. It, 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 feels it feels kind of economic inclusion and, and whatnot and for me it's to say that you know if we can provide infrastructure that gives people a sense of comfort around you know who they're going to offer credit to profitably uh, that's 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 a massive outcome um, and so for me it's mm-hmm. to say that you know we're starting in Nigeria we of course started to branch into you know other you know other regions again looking at uh, East Africa 
Um, and then eventually also, you know, our model and our products, you know, it generally starts to make digital financial services products easier to get off the market. So for me, the future is really that in the Cena is this infrastructure layer where the next generation of digital financial services products are being built on top of. Fantastic. Excited. Can't wait. I am excited to end on that note. Uh, and I will plug something here that uh, that will make sense to, to you. We are, we are raising a venture fund and one of our focus areas is exactly that. We say we, we want to look at infrastructure. Entrepreneurs who are building infrastructure level solutions that uh, in whole industries can be built on top of. And in Africa, we want to focus on the infrastructure layer of the problem stack. And the fact that you're doing that, Yvonne, is so exciting. So uh, really awesome. excited, uh, enjoy talking to you. And um, we will definitely have a part two because there's so much more that we can unpack here. But uh, I enjoyed, sure. I enjoyed your sure. time. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you for having me.